0: This episode is brought to you by the Horror Stories from Behind the Grill podcast. This is a truly unique podcast. Never heard anything quite like it. And boy, is it refreshing. In an industry where everybody and their mother seems to have the same format, the same things to talk about, the same agendas, here comes Horror Stories from Behind the Grill to give you interesting, horrifying, and amusing scary stories centered around barbecue. Imagine if H.P. Lovecraft and Guy Fieri had a love child and you still won't scratch the surface. This is a joy to listen to and a lot of fun. Don't believe me? Get a load of this. Secrets of magical tongs that can control the elements. Enchanted Ribeye State, a tale about the search for eternal charcoal. Catch my drift? You have to listen to the show. A breath of fresh air with all the tangle of ho-hum podcasts out there. Horror stories from behind the grill is like a meat lover's tales from the crypt. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You owe it to yourself to listen to this show. A link will be provided in this episode's description, so check it out. You made the third, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This, uh, first of all, you know, I got to give a shout out. I was contacted by a cat named Saul Dunez, and he told me that he had messaged me months ago on Spotify. Didn't receive a reply. He thought it didn't go through, you know, what have you. Fan of the show and suggested this, uh, what we're going to talk about today. Based on the title, you know what I'm talking about. La zona del del silencio. Silencio. And if I pronounce anything weird going forward, there's going to be a lot of Spanish pronunciation. I grew up in Southern California. That's the extent of my Spanish. I know how to curse at people. Um, I know enough Spanish to order a beer, ask where the bathroom is, and ask the nearest stranger what time is it, and if they could help me find my pants. Which really... Are the only phrases an American tourist needs to know how to say in Mexico? (laughs) The only ones I found (laughs) useful anyway. But uh, Saul Dunez, he reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm a fan of the show. Have you heard about the zone of silence in Mexico? I was like, Yes, matter of fact, I have. It's crossed my desk, uh, it's crossed my ears, my brain a few times doing the show. And, um, it's a really interesting one. I did have other stuff planned and I did have other shows planned, but this one ever since, uh, Saul mentioned it, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just found it so interesting and fun. Plus when one of you suggests us a, a show, I don't want you to have to wait weeks and weeks and weeks to hear, you know, what you've suggested to hear a shout out. It always, warms my heart to hear from, and we'll get into it in a second, but I just got to say this, you know, it, it really warms my heart whenever I hear from a fan of anything, from my music to my books to my painting, I do all this stuff. The stuff that I do, I mean, the writing, the recording music and all that, these are very solitary activities, you know, especially the, the podcasting. These are things that you do pretty much all by yourself. And like writing, I mean, that's a solitary activity. I write novels I mean, some books take months. I had one that took years and you release the stuff and you throw it out there. And there's an awareness that real human beings are taking it in and checking it out and liking and, or disliking it or, you know, what have you. But um, when you hear from somebody who's a fan of whatever you've made, it just, uh, it, it brings that reality back that I'm just not recording this and throwing it into the ether, you know, that, and I could see from the analytics. I mean, obviously it's not all bots that are listening to this. And, you know, me and my girlfriend finally got to the point with the podcasts. Um, and I'm not, I'm not joking with you. I mean, we're, we, it's changed our lives. We've gotten to the point where, um, you know, one of us can quit our job. That, that, that's amazing. And I have you guys to thank for that. But when I hear from, you know, a real human being, <laughs> a fan, that just, I don't know, it just makes it more real to me, you know, that you never know who's listening. And I'm deeply appreciative and humbled by that. So with that said, um, I believe through Spotify, you can make comments on here. What do you think about the show? Leave me comments. If you want to hear about a local place where you're at, I'll do some research on it. Um, You know, if uh, you want to hear about a certain thing, I haven't, there's my watch. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, If you want me to talk about a certain thing you haven't heard about on the show yet, if you have any suggestions, hit me with it. Either message me via Spotify or, and I'm sorry, uh, saw that it took months. Spotify really stinks as far as, Uh, notifying me when people send me messages about the show and it happens so infrequently. Most people, you know, just listen. So I appreciate you taking that step and actually shooting me a message. Uh, But Spotify really sucks at notifying me of those. And I'll try to be more, um, I knew that going in, but you don't, you know, as a podcaster, you don't expect, you know, messages to, to come in like you sent me. And I'm very, my heart is very warmed by that. So I'll I'll be uh, I'll keep a better eye on Spotify and you could also message me on my website asylum817.com that's asylum817.com uh, yeah give me suggestions if you have them let me know what you want to hear if we haven't talked about it yet so this is a special episode dedicated to Mr. Saldunias. and I hope that I do this one justice today we're gonna talk about La Zona del Silencio oh I said that one a lot better. Mexico's Zone of Silence. Pretty pretty amazing place. Let's dive. If you look at any headline, it'll say, The Zone of Silence. Radio signals fail. Meteorites crash. The Mexico-Bermuda Triangle. But there's a lot deeper stuff going on here than just that. So let's dive. (laughs) There's an area in the Chihuahuan Desert in northern Mexico, where radio signals do not work. Compasses go haywire when placed near stones on the ground. It's called the Zone of Silence. Measures only 50 kilometers across. It's located in the, uh, forgive my pronunciation again, Mapimi Biosphere Reserve, a huge, mostly uninhabited expanse, almost 400,000 hectares. Where the flat and desolate terrain is interspersed with lonely mountain outcrops, right? And the reason I'm using, you know, things like hectares and kilometers is because, you know, this podcast is listened to worldwide. And uh, not all my listeners are here in America. So (laughs) if you're from the good old U.S. of A., do the uh, (laughs) conversion yourself. It's quite, quite a large place. Benjamin Palacios he was recently, uh, he's an inhabitant of the area, recently did an interview that I watched extensively and I gravitate towards this because it's one of the few like real interviews out there about the place he said in an interview with an online website the zone is my passion he was driving through the place with this odd look on his face like he was fascinated and scared about it at the scared of it at the same time. Sixty-one years old grew up in the village of uh, es- escalon, chihuahua, on the edge of the zone, and he owns a UFO themed ranch on a piece of the property. He's a kind of a charismatic guy. A uh, big bearded dude. <laughs> now he demonstrated in this interview that the radio came in loud and clear right on the edge of the property he at search endlessly scans just a few steps into this area and it just doesn't work amazing the disruption is believed to be caused by subterranean deposits of magnetite as well as debris from meteorites the zone's overall effects and even its location are disputed here and there but there's no doubt that the area, which sits on the borders of the mes- Mexican states of Chihuahua, Durango, uh, Coquila, Co- oh, mine, oh, you guys are going to kill me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Has an abundance of celestial activity, including some say visits from UFOs, extraterrestrials, I mean, just the whole bit. Throughout the 20th century, large meteorites did land in southern Chihuahua near the zone, with two even falling on the same ranch one in 1938, another in 1954. A third one did crash to Earth in 1969 in the Allende Valley, just to the west. People for miles saw this thing. Heard the tremendous noise, broke windows, it attracted the attention of scientists from all over the place. The name, the Zone of Silence, was not given until 1966, when Pemex, a national oil company, what they did was they sent an expedition to explore this area. The leader, Augusto Augusto Harry de la Peña, was frustrated by the problems he was having with his radio. He's the guy that christened it, Zone of Silence. This turned the area into kind of a curiosity. However, on July 11th, 1970, the Zone made major headlines. This was one when a Athena rocket was launched from a U.S. Air Force base in Green River, Utah, and from what I can gather, it was part of a scientific mission to discuss, to, to uh, study the upper atmosphere. The rocket was supposed to come down near White Sands, New Mexico. Instead, this thing went way off course, wildly astray. Two in the morning, it crashed right in the middle of the zone of silence. The zone was now, if only briefly, you know, at least in the international spotlight. And some locals saw a tourism opportunity there. <laughs> Werner von Braun. We know him, the famous rocket scientist who helped the Americans build our space program. He came to investigate on behalf of the U.S. He was greeted at the train station by Palacios's father, who was then the mayor of uh, Escalon. Von Braun himself took reconnaissance flights in a Cessna to confirm the crash site. This is some major stuff. With the aid of 300 Mexican workers, a 16-kilometer rail spur was built across the desert to the impact crater. A team of Americans then came and excavated. Von Braun was there for 28 days after that crash. The Americans brought temporary dormitories, labs, kitchens, medical facilities, set them up right there in the desert. They even built a runway to transport cargo directly to Houston. By rail, they hauled away tons of debris. It's all gone now. There's no evidence of the five-story, seven-ton rocket. The impact crater, rail spur, any of the structures, gone. However, the rocket crash sparked interest in the area, and a few years later, the Mexican government created the Mapimi Biosphere Reserve. The reserve has a research station. It hosts scientists even now from all over the world many of whom are biologists attracted to the unusual flora and fauna, including North America's largest land reptile, the gulphurus tortoise. This thing is (laughs) an episode on its own. A larger area extending to the northeast is a part of the balsan, a depression in the desert which, due to the thickness of the soil, retains moisture. At one time, millions of years ago, the zone was under the Sea of Thetis. The remnants of which can be seen in fossilized she- uh, seas- seashells. Why can't I say that word? Seashells and salt deposits everywhere around this area. Today, the salt is mined by laborers with shovels and wheelbarrows. Old school. It's difficult terrain. It's kind of the way you have to do it. This is not an area where outsiders should venture by themselves. It's, uh, it's riddled with old mine shafts. There's been some moisture which can make for very difficult driving, kind of hazardous. For generations, generations, stories have abounded from in and around the zone of encounters with weird beings, unusual lights in the sky, and overabundance of meteor showers. These usually come from people living on remote ranches or outsiders who've gotten lost in this area. People say they see fireballs in the sky. At times, flames rolling down the sides of mountains like massive ignited tumbleweeds. There's stories of aliens, unidentified flying objects in this zone. This isn't just from some dude. This is from Geraldo Rivera. We know this guy. A bespeckled state bureaucrat who's also Chihuahua's most devoted UFO investigator. People often get lost in the zone. When this happens, they report tall blonde beings that appear out of nowhere those who that that sounds familiar then yeah you're you're right you know what i'm going to talk about those who claim to have encountered the tall fair haired aliens say the individuals speak perfect english perfect spanish on top of that ask for only water and disappear without so much as a footprint when asked where they come from the beings known as nordic aliens or nordics say only above even Benjamin Palacios has a story. He said he was 12 years old when a light appeared from above completely encircled him and his brother. He was traveling with his brother in the zone. He said, we didn't know what was happening. When we got back to the ranch, we realized we had lost two hours. Experienced missing time in that area. And this isn't the only experience of missing time as well. Palacios's dream is to capitalize on the supernatural intrigues and turn the zone of silence into a tourist mecca with people staying at the ranch, taking guided tours. Now, he has his detractors as well, even in his home country. The area attracted hordes of curious zoneros, seeking aliens, paranormal experiences, but few tourists come to this part of Mexico now. And it's mostly largely due to the deteriorating security situation. If they ever come back, he said he wants to build eight small cabanas each named after a planet and solar system. This old boy's got plans. (laughs) But there's a lot of people saying, even from his home country, that this is a very irresponsible thing to do. That this place, we don't know what's going on here yet. And there are so many claims, you just cannot ignore it. Why willingly put tourists in a place that we don't quite understand? A lot of people are saying that. I'm not going to tell you where I fall. This isn't an opinion piece. I'm just saying this is what they're saying. Now, it's not to say that there's nothing to be seen here. The area has underexplored delights. I mean, Hacienda abandoned over a century ago during the tumult of the Mexican Revolution and thermal springs tucked into this cool-looking cave. I mean, this is a beautiful and compelling part of the world, but it's freaking remote, man. Escalon has over, has under 1,000 inhabitants Ceballos has just over 3,000. The populations diminished big time as passenger rail service was abandoned and the young people moved to the city or the U.S. Other than a few ranches, the desert itself is still essentially empty. Nonetheless, boosters carry on, eager to recount stories of the zone's unusual properties. These include abnormally large flora and fauna, according to a lot of people there, salutary properties. And there are people that uh, supposedly go out there with some kind of illness, sickness, whatever. They spend some time out in the zone of silence. They come back and are completely healed from various afflictions. And our doctors cannot figure it out. There was a report of a couple that couldn't have children. They tried everything, went to all the doctors. They came out to the zone, conceived. Two years later, they came back, conceived again and the doctors are scratching their heads. But is it true? It hardly seems to matter. (laughs) As we trundle across the flat terrain, the sun setting to the west and the moon, you know, I'm trying to paint a picture here. It's as if you're on a fulcrum, the earth tilting with an orange fireball, raising a metallic saucer and a quiet celestial seesaw. You know what I mean? It's an odd place. Something that uh, (laughs) Jim Morrison would probably sing about. It's a weird place. Lots of marine fossils there, salt deposits, still mine today. After learning to deal with suicidal thoughts, Nabaguzi Kawanika, a Ugandan podcaster, decided to create what she didn't have during her turbulent period. During her struggle, she had not heard of a story that could mirror her experience, thus making her feel like a pained alien in a happy world. When she came to an understanding of what was nibbling at her core existence, she took it upon herself to learn more about mental health and further create a platform on which millennials can engage in pertinent conversations society is silent about. Deeper, insightful, and undoubtedly evergreen conversations Hash Time with Nabuguzi Kawanika is a weekly opportunity to create mirrors through which African millennials can see reflections of themselves in the stories shared, and windows through which we can see the worlds of others. I will provide a link in this episode's description with a ton of links to hear the show, so do me a solid and check it out. Now, this is not in the script at all, but I'm saying it anyway. Hopefully the host will not mind. The world needs more podcasts like this. Worldly, positive, and professionally delivered. I really enjoyed listening to this thing, and I know you would too. Check it out. And there's the Athena rocket. This was carrying two small canisters of cobalt-57. What this is is an isotope used in salted bombs to intentionally contaminate large areas of land. As part of the cleanup effort, hundreds of tons of soil were removed from the impact site. And as some people say, there's a bit of a conspiracy here that the crater was covered up. As a result of the U.S. Air Force recovery operation, myths and legends are all over the place. Relating to the area, of, yeah, just exploded. A local resident hired to guard the crash debris during recovery operations helped spread these rumors. Legends include... I mean everything you could think of: magnetic anomalies that prevent radio transmission, mutations of plants and animals, extraterrestrial visitations up the wazoo, which have been used by locals to promote, you know, tourism in the reason in the region. I don't blame them, but this is a place we don't quite understand. I mean, one of the reasons why we started this show is because the Earth is a one big strange place itself, man. <laughs> There are places where it can reach negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit in one month and nearly 102 in another. There's an apparently bottomless sinkhole in Oregon that there are literally near a dozen islands out there that are ruled by cats. And yet, for some reason, we still feel the need to create places like the Silent Zone. But was it something entirely created? Think of it as Mexico's land-based answer to the Bermuda Triangle. It's a patch of desert. That's just really weird. Lots of stories of aliens, identified unidentified objects in the zone. It's supposedly home to groups of these Nordic aliens. Zona del, La Zona del Silencio. It's called that because according to the urban myths that surround the place, it seems to be filled with vibrations, magnetic waves so unique and weird that, and so strong that radio transmissions and communication signals cannot be transmitted no matter what. Quite a few visitors from outer space over the years, it seems. None so far have been tall and blonde. Round and rocky is more likely to some say. At least three different meteorites hit this area, as we know. Pretty weird. Nobody knows for sure what happened to make the rocket go off course. I mean, no one seems to be addressing that. And still today, the government doesn't address it at all. Unexpected rocket crash, clandestine cleanup operation. I mean, at face value, it looks like that's what it was. They were carrying some pretty, uh, pretty dangerous cargo as far as the land itself. Could that have caused some kind of fluorofauna mutation? It's highly unlikely. And the way that they did it, it's bound to kick up some conspiracy theory. The area had everything a good conspiracy theory needs to get going, but the kicker came in '66, the oil company thing, right? Why would the area be so disruptive to radio signals, though? zoneros They chase the legends. They guide tourists through the zone. They blame the magnetite, debris from the meteorites, what have you. That seems like kind of a, too much of a blanket term to me. Triangles are a normal pattern variant in the balsan tortoise populations. The pads you know, turn a shade of violet during a dry spell. I mean, even the tortoises, there's things going on with them. It's a, this is a weird place. And I wish I could zero in on one phenomenon or two there's so many stories trying to look up this place honestly is overwhelming there is an alarming number of falling meteorites in this area the increased magnetism levels observed in the area could be the culprit it could be it this is one of the weirdest locations on the earth welcome to the desert (laughs) It's, it's an odd place. Strange tingling in your body, ringing in your ears, gadgets that stop working, cell phones, radio, compass, everything breaks down when you get out here. Bizarre rocks are scattered all around, inhabited by weird species of animals, mutated stuff. Speaking of that, oh, and by the way, it's located between parallels 26 and 28. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that's the same as the Bermuda Triangle itself. <laughs> a lot of people saying that's too crazy to be a coincidence. Yeah, it's located between the same parallels on Earth as the Bermuda Triangle. Just thought I'd mention that. That's pretty interesting. I got a kick out of that one. I'm not a biologist, nor am I a botanist, so nor am I a geologist. <laughs> so I can't look at these pictures. Of flora, fauna, the rocks, what have you. I can't look at these pictures and determine whether something is anomalous looking or not. I'm not schooled in this area. What I can tell you is just being a layman, the photos of this flora and fauna, I mean, (laughs) I don't know what I'm looking at, I gotta admit, but this place looks like another freaking planet. It's just unusual. All the plants up there look really weird. It just... uh, I didn't spend a lot of time in Mexico. (laughs) I grew up in Southern California, as I said. At one point, we lived seven minutes from the border. So, close enough. But it's more than just a dramatic name. I'm seeing the more and more I look into it. You can't communicate there. Once you cross a certain threshold, I mean, this is within a couple of steps this happens. Is something strange going on here? The meteors don't just come and go. I mean, that's a major part of it. They tend to make a big fuss. The third meteorite in 69. The massive occurrence gave up a large firmament light. People saw this for miles. Broke windows, all this stuff. I mean, this is very known stuff. The theories are very specifically related to alien activity, though, first and foremost. One story tells of a car full of conspiracy theorists shopping, uh, stopping a local on the road and asking him where to find the zone of silence. This person responded by telling them to drive up ahead and look for the place where Martians jump from one side of the road to the other. They continued on their way and they reported seeing it for themselves. What a weird mental image that is. These Nordic aliens. And we've heard the stories before. These supermodel-looking creatures with huge almond-shaped eyes. Absolutely beautiful, blonde-looking, Nordic-looking people. Travis Walton, who we'll talk about eventually. Who wrote the famous Fire in the Sky book. And if you've ever seen the, the movie. Now, the movie took quite a bit of liberties. <laughs> but it's a movie. You have to make it entertaining. And me being an author, um, I've experienced this before. And I used to bitch at it a lot, but I, I get it now. Uh, A book and a movie are two completely different forms of uh, entertainment, and it's very rare that you can even create a film that is going to be just like the book. I mean, it's impossible. I, I realized that firsthand pretty quick when the director kept having to change all this stuff. It's because you can invent with words that you can never do on film. I don't care how good technology gets. But we all, I mean, that Nordic kind of alien thing, which was completely written off in the Fire in the Sky movie, but Travis Walton, he um, explained these kind of extraterrestrial beings in great detail. So did people like Whitley Strieber. And if you don't know who Whitley Strieber is, he's the guy that wrote the book Communion. Very famous tale of alien abduction, alien visitation, came out in the 80s, also became a film. Uh <laughs> not going to talk about that movie. Although I, how, as much as I love Christopher Walken, I mean, they, they took some liberties there too. <laughs> Communion was a trippy film. I watch it just for the, the curiosity, but it's nothing like the book. The book is uh, possibly one of the most terrifying things I've ever read. And in recent years, I've come to question a lot of things that Willie Streber is saying especially after the key came out. I mean, there's some times where I just sit back and go, okay, come on, come on, Whitley, give me a fucking break. But can we know for sure? No. All we know is that these different species of alien are reported, and a lot of them are reported here. In addition to exploring areas where your cell reception will get absolutely scrambled, it seems to really spike at that hacienda area mutations beautiful purple cactus that I'm looking at right now this thing doesn't exist anywhere else in the world this desert tortoise nowhere else in the world this tortoise is North America's largest land reptile endangered can only find it here period in this area there's thermal springs there's a lot packed in here In addition of all the rumors of aliens, the scrambling of technology, Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle of Mexico. Oh man, there's so much to unpack here. I'm looking at all of these amazing photographs. Like I said, I'm not a biologist, I'm not a botanist, I'm not a geologist. I just can't get over this. This place looks like, it does, it looks like a different planet. You could put this in a science fiction novel and it wouldn't look out of place. I'm not screwing around. Amazing. But you're here for the meat and potatoes, aren't you? So let me give you some more. On October 13th, 1975, Ernesto and Josefina Diaz drove to the zone of silence to collect rocks and fossils, as most people do. After some time, they noticed a thunderstorm heading their way. They packed their gear as fast as they could, drove away, but they couldn't outrun this storm. The vehicle got stuck in the slushy desert sand. They could not get their car out of the mud. Then suddenly, from absolutely nowhere, two figures approached and pushed, pushed their vehicle out of this muck. But when they got down to thank them, they had completely disappeared, leaving zero footprints. On the evening of September 1976, the residents of Caballo saw a large object hovering in the air. Lights surrounded this thing, and a deep humming sound was heard from the strange object. 1976, the very first photo of a UFO that landed near a magnetic hill was snapped by a person who was visiting this area. The photo shows a shiny silver object hovering in the air. As the object rose into the sky, the person could take more pictures of the object. Ruben Lopez, you'll see his name a lot. He was driving through the zone of silence to visit a relative who stayed in Ceballos. As he was driving, he noticed that the engine began to stall. Suddenly, he saw five small figures standing along the roadside, some distance away. He noticed that the figures wore silver suits and helmets. As they approached the van, Lopez switched his engine into neutral. When he turned the engine to neutral, the strange figures disappeared into the desert. After this, the engine started functioning the second they were out of sight. Ugh rumors of ancient ruins that pose a complex puzzle to archaeologists man the origin and age of the ruins could not be determined and remain a complete mystery however archaeologists are sure that the ruins belong to an ancient observatory built thousands of years ago but just like everything in the zone of silence we aren't sure I am glad that this one was suggested to me like I said this one's passed through my desk I don't know how many times And I was eventually going to get there, but I'm glad this one was suggested to me because this one's kind of a challenge as me, you know, to me as a host, because there are so many stories. And our thing on this podcast is we have the question and we use our common sense to try to figure these, these things out. Now, I'm no dummy. I know that the more this podcast goes and the more we talk about stories like this, Things that you really just, there's no evidence for. It's all hearsay. It's all, you know, there's but there's so much going on. You cannot dismiss it either. And I know that, you know, we're going to get to local stories and smaller stories, and we can't get to where we can debunk or prove. We just have to report on it, you know. We're going to get to places like that, like Zona del Silencio, you know, kind of, this is one of them. There's almost too much to unpack here. Story after story after story, interview after interview, YouTube video after YouTube video, book after book. It's incredible how many stories are coming out of this place. Yeah, people are, some people are just freaking nuts and they want to be part of a legend. You know what I mean? Now there's an area, this is one thing that kind of freaked me out. There's an area in Yellowstone National Park where it's a wind effect. The wind has this weird instrumental kind of singy tone to it, almost like a flute. And you walk to a certain area, you can't hear it. It's completely gone. You take one step over to that area again, you can hear it again. Weird atmospheric effects. The zone of silence seems to have this as well. Bizarre sounds that occur on the wind, And then you take a couple steps away, it's gone. Take a couple steps away, it's a completely different tune entirely. Sounds like music. Every time I turn around, I hear of a different phenomenon with this place. I look at photos. Yes, there is an explanation for this. There's an explanation for everything. But let me post something to you, okay? And I'm just going to leave it at this. Maybe some truths are in the eye of the beholder. And maybe some explanations are not of this world. So I think we're just going to leave the zone of silence with that. There's too much going on here. We can get individual stories and prove them or debunk them, but we want to look at the zone of silence as a whole. We don't know what the hell's going on here. It's a place I've always wanted to check out. It's a place I've always wanted to go to. But uh, the more I read, the more I kind of don't want to. (laughs) It's uh, very interesting to talk about. And it's one of those that we can't prove or debunk, you know, unless we're looking at individual stories, which we might get to eventually. But yeah, uh, look it up yourself. It's uh, very, very interesting. I could talk about the Zone of Silence all freaking day, man. (laughs) I really can. I can make this episode hours long. I want to stick to our time format and not waste your time. Well, it wouldn't be a waste of time, really. I mean, I I could. I could talk about this place all day. But uh, we're going to leave it there. (laughs) And let's get a discussion going. What do you think about the zone of silence? Message me on your listening app of choice. I promise it won't take months like that poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) I will check them and be more, um, you know, uh, mindful of that now. I just never see them, you know, so I don't really think to look at them. Plus, Spotify, again, I'm s- I'm sorry, they suck with notifications, but I'll keep a better eye on that stuff. So let me know. Give me suggestions. What should I talk about on this? Let's. Uh, what do you think of the Zone of Silence? Send me a message on your app of choice. Or go to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there, as well as a link to get to our Patreon account, where you can get everything from bonus episodes... Giveaways at certain tiers, all kinds of stuff. Ad-free episodes, yeah, I I always forget that. So so check it out. Shout out to the patrons, by the way, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson, I appreciate you, and I appreciate the lovely gentleman who uh, suggested this. Shout out to you again, thank you so much, for not only being a fan, but for, um, in a way, and I didn't tell you this earlier when we chatted on Facebook, but you kind of relit a fire under my ass. And it's not that I was getting bored with the show or fed up or whatever. It's just that sometimes that little boost like that, hearing from one of you guys, it just makes it more real. It's like, ah, oh, I'm making a show that actual people are digging and listening to. And that's, uh, that's amazing to me. So yeah, in a way, uh, you did light a fire under my ass. I was really excited to do this episode and, uh, I, I really appreciate your listenership. I truly do. Thanks to everybody for keeping the coming back. And we'll see you next week, okay? Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so, because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day we'll visit yours. Do you feel like you're navigating through your 20s without a map? Do you want to learn more about lifestyle, wellness, entrepreneurship, and everything else that comes with being a young adult? Then you need to listen to the All the Things Podcast. Sophia Merlot is the host of the All the Things Podcast. She talks about all the ups and downs of life in your 20s and brings you expert advice, real life stories and practical tips to help you thrive in all areas of your life. Join Sophia every Thursday as she explores the world of lifestyle, wellness, entrepreneurship and everything else that comes with being a young adult. Listen to all the things on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. A link will be provided in this episode's description, so check it out.